2: You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One.
1: All right. Well, before we get started with our annual SEMA show, where uh, Matt, the moderator, good Matt, roams around the floor and talks to lots of interesting people in the automotive field. We'll get to that in a second. First, we'll get to betonline.ag. NFL College Football Plus NBA action. Visit Betonline.ag. Take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Use the promo code Podcast1 for a fifty percent sign up bonus. Matchups in week eleven. Are we in week eleven already? What the hell's going on? Where'd it go? Where's this the season slipping? Throwing my fingers like like the Rams. Steelers, Browns, Patriots, Eagles. Well, it will be a good game. Cardinals at uh, 49ers, Falcons, Panthers as well. We've got 500 bucks in rewards to uh, give out each week to uh, five listeners. And 5,000 in a season-long charity contest. Join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag SportsNetChallenge. My pick, New England at Philly. Here's my lock, New England at Philly, 35 21 Use the promo code PODCAST1 to get a 50% sign-up bonus. Today, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on. No choice, going a mandate. Get it on. And let's continue with the hot SEMA talk. We'll throw it to Matt. Matt's talking to the good people from Recaro.
2: All right, we're in the Recaro booth. I'm here with Jim Kelzer. How are you, Jim?
3: I'm doing fine. And yourself?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. It's been uh, uh, off to a very busy SEMA show already. Um, Your booth is very popular. You got some new products here at Recaro. Uh, I think everybody listening is pretty familiar with Recaro. Um, You know, it seems like Recaro... Seats uh, be, becoming uh, more and more, uh, either as a factory option or just the factory seats in so many cars now. I was just uh, here in Vegas last week and driving the new Shelby GT500s, and uh, they all, everyone we drove, had Recaro seats in them. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, quickly just the background of Recaro. It's been around for for quite some time now.
3: So it celebrated its 113th birthday, October 1st of this year. And uh, the gentleman that started it, his uh, name is Wilhelm Reuter in Germany, outside of Stuttgart. Uh, he was a, uh, an expert in uh, uh, creating chassis for horse-drawn carriages and then got into the mobile uh, vehicles as they started to grow. 1906 was the starting point. Uh, he ended up partnering up with a guy by the name of Ferdinand Porsche, yeah, and that relationship lasted for for many, many, many years. Uh, 1963, he sold the company. He got out of the body business, uh, turned it over to Porsche. Porsche took over the manufacturing facility in Stuttgart. Uh, then, uh, Mr. Reuter went into seats. His first and foremost passion was to create seats that could uh, mold. To the individual, that the individual could put in tracks, recliners, move the seat around, yeah, and uh, all of the designs were around form follows the human body. So rather than starting from the outside of the the seat and working into the into the, uh, the occupant, he reversed that. Safety was number one, comfort, and then also the ability to uh, travel long distances. Uh, without fatiguing the uh, the driver, so
2: Recaro is, you know,
3: for, for us and for people that
2: are familiar with, you know, listen to CarCast, they know they know Recaro as a as a performance seat, usually a performance upgrade mm-hmm. in uh, in our in our cars and high performance vehicles. But Recaro has a huge business of everything from bus seats and airplanes yep. and and the aftermarket business is probably just a small, tiny fraction of of the overall yeah. company.
3: So there's uh, three main uh, markets that we're in right now. Uh, number one is OEM. So you go to uh, Ford, Mustang, and you can have the uh, Recaro upgrade in the seats. General Motors, you can get uh, Camaro. Cadillac have uh, yep. branded uh, Recaro seats in them. The second market is, uh, and you mentioned it, commercial vehicle. So you have... Uh, Uh, Transit authorities. Uh, The duty cycle on these buses are eight hours, and then off one hour, and then another driver comes in for eight hours. The life cycle is 12 years. So we had to create an answer to that, Uh, and these are air suspension seats. Uh, Once we got into that market and were very successful with it, uh, we started putting them into submarines, Oh wow! Yeah, uh, we have gaming seats. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think what else? I guess you name it. If it moves, there's uh, going to be some type of Recaro should, seat.
2: Should professional gamers be that comfortable? They'll never yeah. get up if you. Uh,
3: I, I, uh, you I, know. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes, they have to be. It's uh, you're, you're talking five or six hours. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get fatigued, and that's we're going to be unveiling a uh, an off road a seat that was designed. It took us two years in a development. Uh, Typically, Recaro seats are, you're going to talk uh, fore-aft or lateral movement when you're in the vehicle, you're making a turn. Uh, A gentleman by the name of Von Gittin, Jr. came to us and said, uh, he does a lot of work with uh, uh, Ford Performance. We worked with him in the drift series. Uh, Came to us and said, hey, I want to go off-road. And we said, you want to do what? Yeah, can you guys work with us on a seat? My friends and the people that I race with, we're now talking about a vertical axis of force that when we're four wheels off the ground and we come down, we're going to be impacting, it's impacting our necks, our spines. Yeah. And we said, well, that's a new one for us. Uh, come on in and let's, let's work on it. So today we're going to reveal a two-year... Uh, study and uh, development uh, and prototype of a seat specifically for those uh, g forces that you would experience in a vertical accident.
2: You guys haven't been in the off-road
3: market before. No, that's interesting. No, we, <laughs> I'm <not sure. laughs> No, we 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 wanted to corner. We wanted to keep you know, side by you know side to side laterally in the yeah. uh, seat, and then the comfort, and then uh, relieve the fatigue of a long drive. And, uh, yeah, Bond came in one day and said, let's talk about off-road and uh, creating a seat that will be a game-changer. Uh, we both believe that that's the case uh, from a safety standpoint, comfort and performance. So
2: tell me a little bit about how that process starts. Like, how do you start testing for a seat?
3: So we have, uh, we'll go out and get a Wave or a computer Simulation of a typical a typical uh, uh, track that they 're going to go yeah behind. okay we'll take a seat that we think is maybe nine out of ten steps there we'll actually load that uh, program into a shaker table and then we get Vaughn to sit in the seat <laughs> yeah and uh, see if uh, it meets exceeds the, uh, the expectations there, there's a lot more science involved in it
2: so you you basically have to build this rig that that simulates a vehicle going off-road then you put somebody like Vaughn getting in it and it's it's meant to be uncomfortable, so now you can start developing a seat to make it comfortable. He, you need to simulate the uncomfortable nature of going off-road. Exactly. To start, he'll go, yeah, this, this ride's about as crappy as my, my, my truck does. Right. Oh, right. Right. Like it's beating me up already. Now, how do we make that better?
3: How do we transfer all of that energy so, away from the body?
2: So you guys have two seats that you're unveiling today yeah. or would have already unveiled by time. Everybody's yep. listening to this. Um, walk us through it. What were the two seats that you developed? You have one that's a little more consumer-oriented, sort of, it's sort a, of the, a, the equivalent of a street strip. Yeah, uh, it, it's called it's, a
3: crossboard uh, okay. ORV. Both of them will end in ORV, off-road vehicle. Okay, and then the Pro Racer XL ORV. And the Pro Racer XL ORV specifically, if you're driving pavement, you're looking yeah. forward. You're not worried about your head bouncing. You know that's not your focus when you're an ORV land, your head is going back and forth as you're coming down and impacting the ground again. So we take a uh, traditional racing uh, pavement racing, and we took the uh, we'll call them the ears uh, and opened them up so that the peripheral vision is there now for the for the driver. Okay. Uh, we included uh, energy uh, absorbing foam, different layers so that once you're up in the air and you come down, you're going to be uh, supported first in your torso and shoulders, and then you're going to transfer that impact down through the energy-absorbing uh, f- foam, and that lessens the impact on the driver. Uh, they don't walk away feeling uh, beat halfway through, yeah, uh, which improves the performance. Uh, Vaughn actually said that uh, in his test, Uh, Cases he actually felt stronger halfway through the race, uh, in his upper body. Yeah, well, that's good. When you sit in the seats, do they physically feel different? Are they
2: are they softer than the normal Recaro seats? Mm -hmm. Do they feel any different? Or the energy is more more like a progressive rate spring, like Mm -hmm. on suspension spring? Exactly. Well put. Okay. And then, so on the, for lack of a better term, I guess the street seat that you guys have, and then the professional seat, sort of the more the racing seat that is you know to to explain it visually uh looks more like a racing seat the Mm -hmm. it's more of a a single shell i don't think it 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 doesn't lean back does it it's not a reclining seat of any sort um so you 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 would get the seat situated or lean it back or however you want to do uh, in your truck and just do a fixed mount Mm -hmm. to it um you guys did some testing recently as well you guys were uh uh, out in the out on the, germ oh, with the in Ford Utah. Raptor yeah, Ford yeah. Raptors.
3: So, uh, if somebody purchases the Ford Raptor from Ford, yeah. in the package you get a one day uh, training because there's five modes of of driving in this this vehicle in the Raptor vehicle. So, because we supplied it and we do a lot of work with uh, Ford Performance, um, we got an invitation to come out and be part of a, a crew. There's like twenty. Uh, owners of the vehicles that came out, and uh, we you start off in the uh, in the high desert, uh, Baha'i and around, and then you go up into the mountains, and you put it into trail crawl, and you're going two miles an hour, up yeah. 30 to 40 degree uh, inclines, and then you reverse and come back down again, and uh, we took it through its paces. Half the vehicles had the standard uh, uh, Ford seat, the other half had uh, the Recaro addition and we got the feedback from the operators uh, uh what they felt they felt maybe a little bit more in control uh we did some jumps yeah which was exhilarating by the way you have to go 37 miles an hour you can't can't go any faster you hit the ground and then the uh, suspension in the truck will pick up that energy and and absorb it you do not feel that jump yeah so
2: well, it's, it's interesting. The products look fantastic, and uh, it's going to be uh, exciting for you guys to get into the off-road market and uh, sort of the combination. I mean, uh, you know, we we're we're in LA, and uh, you'd be surprised how many Raptors you see running around the mm-hmm. city over there. And it's funny because I I've driven them several times, and it it's it literally is one of the most comfortable vehicles you can drive yeah. on the road, uh, even though it's really meant for so much more than just the uh, city streets of la
3: well last night vaughn they have a, a track set up so they have the jump the 37 mile an hour jump plus he had the uh, the uh, raptor and he was drifting it uh through a couple of uh, obstacles and the, the, the truck is just it's incredible i have mine on order yeah
2: well, congratulations on the launch. Where do we find out uh, some more information about the seats? Is it going to be up on the website? or? Yeah. As soon
3: as we uh, release it, the specifications we reveal it. The specs will be out, photographs of it.
2: Okay, what's the website out here? Uh, uh, I'd love to get you that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll post it up on the website. Okay. Um, great. Well, thank you, uh, thank you so much for your time, and uh, good luck with your unveiling today. I'm sure it's going to be exciting.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that.
2: Thanks, Jim. All right, I want to welcome Mark Hamill. Director of Sales for, well, let's say Comp Performance Group. It's another group of, of many, <laughs> many companies. Uh, as you guys know, we, we try to get over here with uh, with the guys from Comp every year at SEMA because you're so far away from, uh, from us in L.A. Yes. And this is our one time of year to catch up <laughs> on... Uh, all the new stuff that you guys have going on. Absolutely. Um, you know, you have uh, RHS heads and TCI transmissions and fast electronics. And, of course, everything uh, valve train related is out there. Um, the booth looks good. Always great new products over here. Um, I, I, I'm happy to see that the, uh, the fast uh, tunnel ram intake that yeah. I got a sneak peek at last year yeah, is uh, uh... finally tested and starts shipping. Yep. And uh, if you explain it to people, it's it's a composite tunnel ram intake, but it's a, a two-piece unit. It has yes. like a, a, a bolt-on cap on the top, but inside you can swap out composite runners, so you can change the length, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah.
4: And that's what we really wanted to do with this intake manifold
2: is make it something unique and something
4: different. Um, Our existing intake manifold that we've been selling for many years has that same technology where you can put different length runners in it, but it's not really an intake manifold that's designed for boost. It will take a little bit, but I mean, we're not selling it as a boosted intake. So we really wanted to come out with something that was specifically designed for boost, but still had that Um, adjustable runner length so you could really tune it to your engine you know the cubic inch the rpm that you're running
2: whatever you're doing and that's basically what we have there and Um, what did you have to do to it to make it more boost ready. I mean, it obviously needs to be stronger. Yeah. The, the
4: material certainly that we use in it is different than, it's a similar type of material than the other intake, but very, very different. I mean, it's a lot thicker, of course, and just a, a different type of material to, to take that boost and to take the heat, of course, too, that's generated. Um, so These
2: composite intakes, though, they're still incredibly lightweight.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this thing is half the weight of any other aluminum intake manifold that's yeah, out there. it, it seems and like if that, right? Yeah.
2: Because you could throw it around, it's pretty, absolutely it's, it's Pretty easy. Uh, Well, it looks fantastic, and I love the tunability of it. It was one of the highlights that uh, that we saw last year, and certainly our guys back at the shop, um, our our main guy over there in in the shop, loves the idea of that intake. That's a cool piece, that's uh, for sure. But uh, big news for you guys now is is Hemi products, Hemi valve train products. um, Explain some of the issues like uh, some of the uh, Hemi owners were having and why. Yep. You needed to solve those issues.
4: Well, I mean, the big thing more than anything is they just weren't getting a lot of love. I mean, yeah. there's a few guys
2: out there that were making a few things.
4: But uh, when we started looking at it, I mean, there is an absolute ton of those 5.7, either the VVT or non-VVT engines, the six ones, the 6.4s. And guys are starting to really want to swap those into other cars. So we need to make some stuff that, that'll make that happen. So we definitely started... Uh, A couple years ago we started making a bunch of what we call our low shock technology series lobes and just found some incredible power out of those not only good power but good life uh, longevity everything like that and so we've made a few other series of camshafts and so now we've gone into the hemi stuff and incorporated that same technology into the hrt series that we've just released um and it's incredible the power i mean we had a I believe it's our Stage 3 cam on the 6.4 makes 170 more horsepower over stock. What, hold, with on, a cam man, swap. hold on,
2: Just a cam swap? Uh-huh. Everything else is stock on it. Yeah. Basically,
4: what we had is we had a bone stock, 6.4. Yeah. It did have some headers on it and our throttle body just because it was easier to set up on the dyno. Yeah. the engine was run stock with the headers and the throttle body. And then we swapped in a whole bunch of camshafts and ended up with that. Basically, like I said, our Stage 3 cam made 170 more horsepower than factory. Now, it does require a valve spring, of course. Okay. But no other major modifications to the engine. I mean, it's a stock intake, 100% stock engine. Other than the camshaft and the valve springs. That,
2: that number sounds incredible to me because it sounds like you're adding a supercharger to it, I but know. without, certainly without the complexities of a supercharger yep. or the weight added to it. Yep. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what a, what a cam change uh, involves on uh, one of the late model Hemi engines, but. It's actually pretty easy, believe it or not. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody talks about the LS and how easy it is to swap
4: a cam. These things are almost exactly the same. I mean, you can pull the front cover off, pull the timing chain off if it's got mds lifters of course you have to swap those out but if it's a non-mds engine i mean you can literally spin the cam just like an ls and it sticks all the lifters up into the yokes as they call it on the on the hemi or the buckets on the ls and pull the cam out put a new cam in so it's a very very easy swap over and a lot of people just i think hadn't done it or weren't as familiar with it but uh our guy nick on the dyno and r&d can literally swap a cam on the dyno in about 35 minutes so
2: and what's that cam sound like
4: oh they sound awesome yeah. i mean we have a few different ones depending on what kind of sound you're looking for uh, but they sound real good i mean they have a real nice thump to them yeah but they still idle nice and drive nice very minimal tuning required as far as that goes to make them work right but I mean, incredible power gains.
2: Now, on the high-horsepower cars, what are some of the uh, weak lengths of the engine? The lifters, is it?
4: Um, the, the MDS lifter in the Hemis has definitely been a problem. Yeah. I mean, those things are failing left and right. Um, and for that matter, we actually just released a replacement lifter for those not an mds lifter but a non-mds lifter okay Um, so that's something new to us as well but the lifters are the biggest thing probably the second biggest factor with those engines is the piston actually the ring land is quite high up in the piston and when guys put boost on these things and try and make you know 150 horsepower they end up knocking the piston out of it well by putting a camshaft into it
2: Yeah, you're not going to run into that. You're not going to have
4: that problem. I mean, if you start revving it really, really high, you know, beyond 7,000 RPM for a long period of time, yeah, you probably will start to get into a little bit of a piston issue again. But uh, with these camshafts, even that Stage 3, I mean, it peaked at 6,500 RPM. So it's still very, very reasonable RPM, makes good torque down low, and uh, just it's a phenomenal upgrade.
2: You know, with... um, with, with the car market now, the, uh, the, the this high-performance muscle car market, we're looking for mods almost as immediately, almost as soon as these vehicles come out. Yep. Um, and if you look at, like, the subtle changes that have been done to the Coyote engine, and now they're 480 horsepower, like, in the bullet and stuff, yep. you guys already have, like, a 2018 uh cam swap for the coyotes for the ford coyotes as well absolutely
4: yeah we just came out with that release it at sema here we've actually been shipping them for a couple of weeks here before we've got some customers that we worked with and including our internal uh, r&d guys but yeah we have some some really great grinds uh, for normally aspirated and for the the boosted stuff for the 2018 up coyotes And once again, I mean, incredible power gains on those things, too. So, very exciting.
2: And, by the way, uh, everything that we're talking about, the Coyote stuff, the Hemi stuff, you have all the supporting things as well. You have the coils, you have springs, you have push rods, you know, uh, in addition to the cams and the lifters. So, anything that you guys need in the valve train world, uh, you guys got to cover. I mean, that's... That's why you're calm, yep. right?
4: <laughs> Yeah, and we just actually added the, the the secondary timing chains as well. Actually, we have a complete kit for the Coyotes that has the primary and secondary chains, but we have an upgraded secondary chain for the Coyote as well now, too, for the timing chain. So it's, uh, that's kind of one of those things that's been out there that not very many people had, and so we've, we've come up with a great product there, and... Just another great addition to the camshaft as well. Yeah. So
2: Uh, before we wrap it up, um, I was taking a look at uh, the uh, air meter that you guys have the new air fuel ratio meter. um, (laughs) That uh, it's part of the fast line, right? Because that's more of the electronics division, the fuel injection electronics division. Explain to us what it is. What was it that I was looking at over there?
4: Well, kind of where it stemmed from is last year we actually released a Bluetooth controller for our EZ transmission controller through TCI. So we took that same technology in that little Bluetooth module and have now tied it into a wideband O2 sensor. So what you can do is you can either have a single or a dual O2 sensor and a Bluetooth module and it ties to your smartphone. So all of the the gauge package and everything like that is on your smartphone. You can even data log on your smartphone. Um, The Bluetooth module has an output as well, so a 0 to 5 volt reference. So you can output that to like a chassis dyno if you wanted to or an ECU if you wanted to log um, air fuel ratio on that. Um, so it's a really, really versatile little deal. And, of course, everybody loves stuff on their phones. Yeah, so right. we've Seems just like incorporated it. some cool car stuff. Now you can control not only your transmission like we did last year, but your wideband O2 sensor on your phone.
2: Now, if you take the car out and you're, you know, you're hitting the racetrack, you're hitting the drag strip of the road course, you can do some data yep. logging on
4: it? Absolutely, Yep. It's got a continual, I believe it's two minutes loop of, of uh, data logging capability. So, yeah, you can record for two minutes, just hit pause, go back, Look at what you've got. You can also tie in an RPM input into the data logger so, or the, the Bluetooth module. So you can actually see the engine was at 6,500 and it was at 13.2 to 1 air fuel ratio. Oh, right. So okay. you can go back and you can make changes to either your carburetor or your ECU based on that. So it's, it's a really, really neat little piece. Yeah. It even has a little feature in it actually where you can, it has a, an output wire where you can actually disable the output wire hook it up to, say, a a relay in the car, and it's like a valet-type deal where it'll kill your car. So... You don't have to worry about your car getting stolen. Yeah, and right. It's just all in this one little piece that we sell. So it's it's got
2: a whole bunch of really, really neat little yeah. features in it. It's amazing how electronics have to be such a big part of everything that oh, gets yeah. developed here now. And, and, yeah. and we want to be able to, to do that, control our transmissions, control the yeah. engines, control so many things with it. Absolutely. And get as much data as possible. Yeah. So uh, awesome, man. Always great things over at Comp. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. Well, um, thank you very much. Uh, where do we find you guys uh, online? Where do we start? Uh, multiple different places. I mean,
4: yeah. group.com com will get you to kind of all of the, the different companies, but okay. you can go to compcams.com, fuelairspark.com, or tciautomotive.com. Those are the three main ones, and pretty much everything is on there. And just to add, brand new websites that we just released a couple, uh, I guess a couple months ago now, but uh, much better design, way easier to find stuff, just yeah. more modern. So everybody should find it a lot easier to, to do that. Um, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram and all those wonderful things as well. Right on. Facebook,
2: Comp Wins.
3: That's the Facebook account. Comp Wins. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) All right, Mark, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your SEMA. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
1: All right, uh, let me hit uh, Castrol Edge. Stronger under pressure. Engines can lose up to 10% of performance due to friction. Castrol Edge with fluid titanium transforms under pressure. Keep them metal parts from rubbing and robbing. Three times stronger. Three times, fool. Then leading full synthetic against viscosity breakdown. It's the best. It's Edge. It's Castrol Edge, everybody. All right.
5: All right well now we're in the Pro Charger booth. My friend Eric Radsons. How are you, Eric? Oh man, I'm doing I'm doing wonderful. A little tired,
2: but I'll take it. It's uh it's it's a it's been a busy SEMA show. This booth has been really really busy. Every time we walk by, so it's uh I appreciate you taking a moment to sit down. But uh, Pro Charger superchargers. Uh, the guys you listen to the show know that I'm a fan. I've yep. got a Pro Charger on my '93 uh, Cobra, which uh is you know I'm 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 a big fan of that. And we're trying to do something. Uh, uh, custom that we'll talk about later yeah. on the on the truck on the ninety five cool. lightning truck, but um, uh, you guys got a great booth, cool Thank new you. stuff going on. Um, is there anything new in the supercharger head unit world? You guys have had a huge lineup of of superchargers, self contained and oil feed, yep, various sizes depending on the RPM and the packaging and the small cars, big cars, racing,
5: yep, uh, I, yeah. It's, uh, we, we really had two focuses in the last year, and uh, one of them was racing, which, you know, everybody says that. But, I mean, we really dug in deep, and we went after, uh, we really wanted to be able to compete in uh, NHRA Pro Mod. Okay. Uh, so we spent the uh, last couple of years uh, developing uh, packages with the uh, engine builders, um, as well as working with the NHRA. And uh, I'm proud to say that uh, as of last week, we are now uh, compliant. So in 2020 will be the first time. There will be centrifugal superchargers in NHRA Pro Mod. So yeah, that's huge. Huge. Though. Yeah. huge. It's yeah, gonna be huge. awesome. So, you know, we're we're limited to uh, fifty two pounds of boost, just like everybody else. But uh, we've proven we can compete, run the ETs that uh, are needed to needed to be there. So,
2: having the centrifugal supercharger
5: on there, does that? Open the door to changing the shape or the hoods of the cars uh, so the, the cars are basically going to be virtually unchanged. The hood line will be the same, okay. and all that but what 's going to be awesome is the fan experience because uh, you know the turbo cars are, are quiet yeah. there 's not a lot of, lot of, not, not a lot of drama to it but you know, a pro charger car making that big boost and those zoomy headers coming out the side. I mean, it's going to be a sound that, you know, half that crowd has never heard unless it was like top fuel, you know. So it's, it's going to be awesome to see such a wide combination competing. What other supercharger types are they using in ProMod? In ProMod, uh, they, uh, pro they would have a roots blower. Um, yeah. They have a uh, turbo combo, uh, a mountain motor with nitrous so huge huge cubic inch with nitrous and then now us so uh we we are limited to uh 526 cubic inches uh 52 pounds of boost uh running basically a sealed blower so they can't turn it up turn it turn it down or any of that they they, it's a it's one combination just like with the roots blower they can only run one combination
2: now as you guys ramped up to get this Certification, if you will, from NHRA to allow this to happen. Have you been working with some teams, or do we nope. know of some teams that are going to be rolling out with a pro charger?
5: Uh, Elite Motorsports has a has a car. Okay. Uh, Galat Motorsports has two cars. Um, I, I believe um, uh, Alex Laughlin has test tested a car. Um, that was before we had become legal. Um, so, you know, I can't. Uh, I can't really talk about it, but confidentially, yes, there's uh, quite a lot of teams that now, once that became legal, are now going to build uh, blower cars. So yeah. they, they might campaign two cars, you know, a turbo car and or a centrifugal car, because that really, it's, it's going to depend on the track. Uh, the blower cars are deadly consistent and really consistent on a track that has a inadequate surface. Right. So... It's going to be really rad. But uh, all of that stuff that we've been learning and using in the last couple of years trickles down to the streetcar stuff. And uh, what's been great is now we got like behind us is a 2018 Mustang here that has a kit on it that bolts on 300 horsepower and is emissions legal in California. I mean, yeah, I don't so, live in California, but <laughs> if I did, I would drive that car with that blower yeah, on it. This, this comes up all the time. We talk about
2: our terrible fuel in California. We talk about our emissions in California. Uh, we even complain about front license plates because yeah. why not? But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but this is a big deal and this is a big investment on your part. And I know companies like yes. SEMA and some other companies are trying to make it they a are. little bit more attainable, but getting a a, a carb certification a lot of work. for
5: for performance parts like supercharging is is kind of a it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, we are trying to uh, lead by example instead of uh, sitting back and waiting. So uh, like I said, brand-new Mustangs, carb legal. Brand-new Corvettes, carb legal. Brand-new Challengers, Chargers, carb legal. Camaros, carb legal. My Jeeps, Jeep Gladiator, JK, JL, all carb legal. Basically, you know, the brunt of everything we make is now carb-compliant. Well, let's um, talk about
2: the Jeeps for a second. Because yeah. uh, with the Jeep Gladiator coming out, we've sort of anticipated... Uh, you know the, the the most popular cars at SEMA, of course, are going to be the yep, the yep. Jeeps, potentially the Toyota Supra. Yeah, yep. uh, Supra, oh, which car. which I'm sure
5: could benefit with with a little extra power <laughs> at some point. Oh yeah, yeah, but they're turboed already and all that. But man, an absolutely yeah. beautiful car. Um, but the uh, the Jeep market seems like it's going to be a, a big
2: market, and yeah. we're seeing some of them here in and this sort of this hot rod uh central hall but i'm sure when you get into south hall over at sema where all the off-road stuff is and the trucks are there's probably just full of them over there they are uh what's what's sort of the base horsepower uh of the jeep gladiator and what are you guys bringing it up to so
5: we actually uh i should uh grab a little piece of paper here but uh i know that's our after our kit is 425 horsepower okay um it's literally a huge gain and when you're talking about a a truck that they're rating with a 7600 pound tow capacity i don't think they're talking about stock going up a hill right i mean it's it's a it needs a little bit more oomph right it does and that's where we're if you got the big wheels and tires and all that that's where the pro chargers really shine i think there's six gladiators at this show alone with our kit on it oh really Um, yeah so it's a they're out in the lot and all that. And like you said, they're 50-state they're legal. Yes. Is, is
2: that sort of what you're trying to do, just get as many of the kits? Everything's 50-state legal. Yep, From this are. point yep. forward, it's like, do you even have a like maybe a base kit that's 50-state legal? Then beyond that, if you want to do your own tuning or right. a race yeah. kit. Or so we do of offer it. both, yes. But if you're going to release something for a new vehicle like the Jeep Gladiator, it's got to be 50-state legal. Correct. Right? That's what
5: we're doing. Yeah, we actually uh, opened up an office in the uh, San Francisco area. So uh, that's our commitment to how much we care about you know, the California market. Yeah. Um, that, that way also puts us closer to the testing facilities. Uh, we can rent Sonoma raceway to do road course testing and stuff like that because we're based out of Kansas city, but we're seasonal. So, you know, right now I can't, I can't run a road course and do any testing. Right. But now having an office in California, that makes it a lot easier. Um, but it, it, again i mean even your your cobra that you got that's technically a 50 state legal kit if you would have ordered the base kit you know so we've got mustangs covered uh, you know from beginning to end and, and we're doing the same with all the corvettes now too so it it feels good to be doing it the right way and uh allowing a person to buy something and you never have to worry about so yeah
2: i and i agree with that and uh even the the uh, the truck that I have, the '95 Ford Lightning, mm-hmm. we just um, it's here at the SEMA show. It's in the MagnaFlow yep, out yep. front, yeah, yeah, out front. Uh, we just finished the exhaust on that, and the exhaust is a little bit overkill because we're anticipating the, the new engine going in and things like that. So it's a little gotcha. bit bigger than usual. But when
5: we built it, we built it with catalytic converters and, awesome. and whatnot on it. So yep. why not make it clean? And, and speaking and, uh, of catalytic converters, yeah, this is a tidbit here. So everybody says, uh, like, oh, you got to get rid of them. You got to get rid of them. As every you know. I'm not saying that, but, of course, that's what everybody on the Internet says. So uh, the car behind me, 2018 Mustang, no headers. You know, it's factory manifolds, factory cats, factory exhaust, and all that. That car on E85, through all of that, makes 937 to the wheel. Wow. With a bone stock blower kit. Now, on pump gas, she makes about 670 wheel. Yeah. When it has E85 in it, you can turn it up a little bit and get aggressive with the timing. But literally, you're talking about 1,000 crankshaft horsepower through the factory exhaust. The other, we have a car at work that we used as a as a demo. We have a Z06 Corvette. It made 1100 wheel through the factory exhaust, factory manifolds, factory cats, factory mufflers. So it's really just amazing that stock motors, stock trannies, stock exhaust systems yeah. let you make 1100 wheel. Like that's insane. I mean, five years ago, making a thousand horsepower with a big block Chevy was like, oh man, that's a really big big deal. But now here we are, like. Street cars have to make a thousand horsepower. Yeah. And it, I mean, it happens. It's a real it, deal. It's funny. Like
2: that's, that's going to be the new number. I mean, you're going to be pretty close. Like, yeah, yeah it's got to be a thousand horsepower at this point. Yep. So I anticipate maybe next year at SEMA, we're going to start seeing uh, you guys doing a lot with c C8 Corvette. Yep, uh, yeah. I was at the debut for it and it looks pretty intense. And even what I've seen so far when I was there at the, at, at, the, uh, at the unveiling in that engine compartment and the way that the way that sort of the, the cover goes over yep, and stuff, yep. it seems like the centrifugal supercharger is going to be
5: uh, a big hit for for
2: those vehicles. It is, it is because you just don't have a lot of room in there. No, nope, there's
5: not a lot of room. We've already got some stuff in play. We got to see the car early. Um, our engineers got to check it out. Um, there's some panels that are removable and things like that that kind of help out to our advantage. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a it's a it's a jump from our normal, but. I, I mean, I think we'll be okay. So yeah, Corvette
2: could be big, big market. Though. Oh, Corvette you know, what we do need market. to
5: talk about. Yeah, Monday, right before I got on a plane to come here to SEMA, just launched our Toyota lineup. So we're doing Forerunners. Okay. Uh, we're doing uh, Tacomas Good. and uh, Tundras. So we we launched Forerunners are shipping as of right now. You could order a kit today at the SEMA show and get a, a Forerunner kit, and then hopefully next week we'll have the uh, to launch the Tacoma. And the Tundra a couple of weeks after that. So, is is how much of the truck market overall is your business versus versus the cars? It depends on the uh, region. So, uh, Southern states, Texas, and all that very big in the truck market. Uh, California is now starting to be bigger in the truck market, and I think the Toyotas are going to be huge. Uh, in this area, but uh, it really just depends on the demographic and where you're at. You yeah. know, like our Mustang sales are very high in Florida, Alabama, Georgia. It's like each each car kind of has a demographic of where it is. I was, uh, I was out here uh, a week or so ago testing the uh, the new Shelby GT500.
2: Oh, yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. Which is fantastic, and it's yep. just what a great car to drive. But uh, as part of that program, I went over to uh, Shelby American and visited yep. their facility and all the cars and the trucks and everything that they're making there, the sort of a Shelby-ified yep. version of all those things. And uh, I was talking to their guy, and he's like, take a guess how many Shelby Mustangs that we build or tune or modify versus the Shelby trucks. And I was like, I don't know, you probably do 30% trucks. He's like, 80 Eighty percent trucks. Wow.
5: yep, Yep. And I would only definitely twenty
2: percent are, are are their cars now. S-
5: so I would say our shocking thing that most people don't realize is if if you if you're grouping truck and SUV into the same, yeah, it's like huge. But if you broke out SUV, it's actually for us bigger. We sell a lot of kits for Escalades, Denalis, Suburbans, and yeah. I, it's, it's unbelievable how many daily driven family vehicles we sell kits for. Uh, because they can put it on, it's faster now and it's fun and you just kinda well, put that little spice into it, you you're, know. You're buying the vehicle you're buying those type of vehicles for its
2: functionality right. first. Right? right? Yep. And then we can always add hot rodness right. to Abs-
5: it. Absolutely. And
2: why not be able to do that? Because you can't you you can't right. buy the small truck and go, Oh, let's add a third row of seats yeah. to it. Like that's no. that's a big no. pain in the butt, yep. right? I mean So get the escalator, get you know, right. get a Tahoe or something and go, let's let's add you know, let's add some power, maybe yep. some big brakes and stuff like that and make yeah, it fun.
5: I'd say at, at Pro Charger alone, I think there's about three pro-charged Tahos in the parking lot every day for that reason. I mean, they're all, we're all dads. You know, yeah. we all still yeah. want a little bit of a hot rod. 500 horsepower that you drive every day is pretty darn cool. Plus they peel out. It's awesome. But I mean, my, probably my next vehicle will be a, a gladiator because it, it checks off all the boxes. I can go off-roading. I can put my kid in it. Uh, I can go to Home Depot and put something in the bed. It'll tow my boat and I can put a blower on it and, you know, go yeah. off-roading well, and now, have an extra now horsepower. You're, now you're right. making all the horsepower so, with it. So it's, it's. I mean, I'd, I'd like to have a, a Mustang as a daily driver, but it doesn't fit my lifestyle. It's a, t- it's a toy, you know? Yeah, it's a so toy. Which I still have one, because me and you are 93 Cobra brothers. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So that's Mine, the thing about black.
2: Eric, is uh, Eric yeah. and I follow each other on Instagram and send each other notes and stuff, and uh, yep. he's he's a big Fox Body Mustang guy as yep. well. Yep. Um, he's He's got the same era of, of Ford muscle design yep. uh, yeah. and likeness that I do. I just picked up a
5: pace car. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. So, yep, yep. Yeah, so it's badass. I got a Coyote for it now, and... It'll be coming together, so yeah, I bought that as a one-owner car. Uh, She was 82 years old, bought it it new in 79. That was her daily driver for 15 years, and uh, like she said, she thought she stopped driving it about 8 or 10 years ago, Uh, couldn't push in the clutch anymore, and I ended up tracking her down, and yeah, so I figured the car's deserving of... Some modern updates, and you're going to do a coyote
2: swap in yeah, it. Yep, going to do. it. But a- you guys at Pro Charger have a coyote swap kit. A coyote swap kit. You, so if you're coyote
5: swapping into almost anything, yep, you guys have a supercharger kit that basically works with yep, it. We do. So yeah, I'm going to do a that. I got the control pack for it in the six R eighty because again, I'm like to relax when I drive to work. I don't want to be shifting gears in it. I know yeah. everybody's going to yell at me for not putting a stick in it, but uh, and I'm going to do a P one X on it. So that'll probably make. You know, about 700 to the tire and yeah. uh, something. That's just too much for that, but at least right. I can brag about it. Yeah. <laughs> you
2: know? Well, listen, I appreciate the time. And you. Uh, like you said, you guys got a busy booth here, but uh, we're going to wrap so things up. Uh, we can go to ProCharger.com.
5: Yep, absolutely. ProCharger.com. Uh, on Instagram, we're ProCharger Superchargers. And uh, Facebook, it's uh, also uh, ProCharger. So Cool. Thanks, Eric. Awesome. Thank you.
2: Real quick, let me tell you a little bit about GEICO, our friends at GEICO. We love them over there. Everybody's got a to-do list. You're dropping off your dry cleaning, picking up some milk. Now you can add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. If you just go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Go to GEICO.com. Happy to sit down with my friend Dan Sandberg. He's the CEO of Brembo North America. And Once again, every entered. year, podcaster. Yes, now I am. I'm <laughs> so living your my, life now. Yeah, it's uh, the podcast is doing good. Your podcast is doing good. It's We're doing been going. okay. It was, it was internally. It was for all the Brembo employees. It ran it,
6: for five or six years internally. Okay, And uh, I think I've told the story before. Seven years. Oh, sorry. Okay, that was an employee speaking. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, I ran it, and, you know, almost immediately our, our employees came to us and said, it would be really great to hear about from customers. Yeah. So we thought, okay, well, let's get some customers. So we got Jay Leno and Crutchlow and Jim Campbell from uh, uh, Chevy Performance mm-hmm. and uh, uh, who else? Simon Pagno. And we, we had really some really good content. And uh, one day somebody got smart and said, uh, you know what? Why don't we use some of the stuff and take it public because it's it it's not just you know about brembo it's about auto stuff and it was a lot of fun to do and we are getting some really great interviews so last june we issued the first episode of brembo red so uh and it's pretty good we're bringing it out every right now it's every two three months we come out with an episode and uh, we're getting pretty good response from it so
2: it's on uh itunes now
6: it's on itunes and it's on google play
2: yeah, and you're probably get... after
6: this podcast, you'll tell me where else we should put it, right? <laughs> yeah. You're the podcast expert, so.
2: Well, you're going to start with doing more episodes and start releasing them, you know, every month and every week, and then
6: I don't know if I have time for that. So it's it, uh, given that it's your job, it's my mm-hmm. second job. So you're you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of work. I yeah, it
2: is. It can be a lot of much... work. And Chris is here with us, and he produces uh, this show, and he produces Adam Carolla's show, which is five days a week and uh well, maybe i'll, a bunch have of you, other I'll stuff.
6: trade you for chris yeah. for maybe uh, you first can't round have draft chris. choice next year you, de- you <laughs> definitely
2: can't have chris because we wouldn't be sitting here if, if there was no chris involved um anyway here we're at sema and uh always new stuff always good to catch up with you guys and uh i know you got some new product and stuff out there um the first thing that caught my eye was a giant 10 piston caliper uh, I know it's a prototype caliper for you guys. I don't know if it's on any vehicles yet, but yeah, I wouldn't even it's... call it a
6: prototype. It's it is. Uh, we have used it on some vehicles. Uh, it's not that I know of in production yet. But we have some we have some pending mm-hmm. big meaty cars that might put it on. But uh, you know, the biggest caliper I think that we have in production that's just probably feet from us uh, is that GT500, the Mustang. Yeah, uh, and that is one beautiful car, and that is one monster caliber
2: okay so now that uh uh, ford is far away from us on one end of the building and gm's on the other side of the building c8 corvette or gt500
6: oh he's putting me in a tough (laughs) position come on now you know see
2: this is a fair question because you make breaks for both of them
6: you know what i believe that it's uh it's time in my career to buy both
2: yes that's the best answer yet
6: So, I mean, I I think they're they're different cars, you know. They really are different cars. So, I mean, if you're a low-to-the-ground sports car, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, Ferrari, Porsche kind of guy, you you know, the Corvette would be something that's definitely uh, quite a bargain looking at all the content on that car. So, I'd say the Corvette. But if you're a muscle guy... And uh, you maybe you grew up looking at the Mustang that's gone through a hundred different iterations. It's just a different car, right? And it's uh, it higher center of car. gravity. But, I mean, if you're just into speed and, uh, you know, just... A car that's not going to go crazy on you. I think you know you're, you can't go wrong with both of those cars. I mean, they're really fantastic. I, you drove it, right? You I, drove it. I
2: did. Yeah. So I drove the GT five hundred. I, I did the road course with it. I did a track day there. There, I did track uh, drag racing with it. Did a canyon run with it. Um, haven't driven the Corvette C eight yet, but uh, being a Mustang guy, loved it. Loved everything about it. But. When you say, hey, it's a muscle car versus whatever the Corvette is, a a performance car, a sports car, the GT five hundred is still now every bit of a of a performance car. We hit the road course the with that thing. Center of gravity, thing. though, was it? And
6: did you feel like you were higher up? You know, muscle cars tend to be you, a little. You more... You do
2: feel a little bit higher up, but all these new cars today, they have such a high belt line on them. So, yeah. like, if you try to hang your arm out the window, it's up by your ear anyway. So it's <laughs> it's not. You always feel so low into a car. Um, I know it's it's very different than what the Corvette's going to be, but. The, the track times they were they were turning around that road course were phenomenal uh, of course the brakes were great the carbon fiber wheels make a two-second difference around the road course when they tested it back to back and then we hit the drag strip and it's just you, you know the features they built into it the line lock control and the track you know the christmas tree and a launch control and and
6: All of yeah. the intelligence in that manual, and I'll put manual in quotes, yeah. uh, transmission that they have on the car are pretty impressive. Um, we were well, just listening today to, to one of the drivers who was telling us that you can actually take that car right into the corner and it shifts on its own. It knows the angle of the car approaching the corner. It knows when you're starting to steer. Yeah. So it knows when you're in a corner and you don't get that jerk you know, when it's shifting on its own.
2: It, it does, um, It's it's and it's fantastic. And definitely don't discount... Uh, a Mustang, uh, a GT500 that no longer has a a true manual transmission. That 7-speed DCT is badass. And it's built by Tremec. I, I mean, if somebody wanted to to swap in a, a, a regular rowing transmission into that thing, it'd be easy to do. There's tons of Mustangs that have manuals. There's pedals for them. There's shifter kits for them. It's, it's got a Tremec in it already. If you wanted to do the conversion, you could. It wouldn't be as fast. But uh, it I'm I'm sure there's going to be that GT500 supercharged 760 horsepower engine offered as a crate engine with the electronics, and then people will be bolting up manual transmissions you know, all I used long. to
6: drive a shifter. You know, my, my, I had, a, I had a, believe it or not, a Supra that was manual back yeah. in 84. Uh, you know, my feeling on a manual, I hate to say it, is, uh, you know, I want a car I can eat a Whopper and drive, and, you know, the shifter's <laughs> got to go. So you know, I'm not I'm not so upset with electronic uh, transmission. Yeah, well, I I
2: drove it as well, and uh, being a Mustang fan and a manual transmission fan, I had no problem with that car. Um, I got very comfortable with driving it in automatic mode, and then paddle shifting, and then because I was so busy playing around with the different. Sport mode and track mode and, and normal mode and then you, there's three what or there four difference. Could
6: you really feel? Oh, you absolutely
2: in all of them? could. You feel it in the Magna ride transmission. You feel it in the steering feedback. Uh, you can tune the exhaust as well, and then you can program your own modes. on we're going to get into your stuff too at some point. But uh, this is the Mustang <laughs> show, you know. But uh, driving down that road, you put it in sport or sport plus or sport or track mode. You feel the suspension tighten up. You feel every little bump in the road on that Magna and in track mode. And then when you saw Soften it up and makes it quieter, and then softens the uh, the suspension. And you could drive it every day with electronics and stuff. Now we can get the best of of all worlds.
6: Well, I'm um, going to see if you're right because next podcast, I hope to have one in the garage by then. So we'll there see you happens.
2: go. So. Uh, one of the things that I liked is is you can change the different modes and then independently change the steering and, and the exhaust. Really? So if you wanted to put it in normal mode with the soft suspension. But you put the exhaust in track mode to make it loud and fun. Uh, so you can you can really kind of tune cool. everything up. So um, it's great. So tell me about the brakes on that car. What did you guys do?
6: Well, you know, the brakes, you know, big. That's, that's, you know, that sums it up at the end of the day. I mean, you have 420-millimeter caliper, I yeah. mean, uh, rotor on the front. Yeah, what is that,
2: 16-and-a-half? half
6: is... 16-and-a-half uh, inch? Uh, European translation? About that, Yes. So, I mean, that's big. I mean, that's really, really big. Once you go over 400, that's, those are very, very large. And then, you know, what I like is... is are they
2: six-piston front? Are they Yeah, six-piston six. front.
6: Six-piston front. Um, and, again, versus when you look at the Corvette, there's a four-piston front caliper on that. But, you know, you're dealing with a different weight set. You're different dealing with a different yeah. car. Um, but uh, both of them are just as, fast, just as fast, have pretty sophisticated brake systems on, on both of those cars. And... Uh, you should have felt the brakes on that car because it's uh, those are really strong bite.
2: I, I mean, I drove it around the road course, which was fun, but then be, was able to get in the vehicle with one of Ford's professional drivers and really hit that thing fast, and that's where you 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 see the brakes. I can tell you that. All of us that are out there driving the cars or even having a track day, we're not even scratching the surface on what those brakes can do. When you get a professional driver and you do a ride-along with that guy, and you're like,
6: uh, this is unbelievable. You know, we do use some race technology on there, too, which is kind of cool. We have, uh, everybody talks six-piston. Okay, well, okay, that's just more than two or more than four. Uh, but these are staggered in size and in location. So you get a very, very even uh, pressure, you get very, very, very even pressure, you know, from the pads. Uh, On the rotor So because they're staggered You have different pressure points You have different, you know You have different friction Um, and that gives you that That, uh, uh I don't know, that feel, if you will, where you're getting a lot of pad contact on the rotor at a time. So it's kind of cool. How do you
2: guys test for that? Do you start in CAD software or some sort of computer simulation to figure out where the piston should be on the pad? Sure. I mean, we have a lot
6: of computer simulation and optimization that we do to make sure the weight is good, to make sure the friction's good, to see where we're going to see failure points or potential failure points in the rotor itself. Um, but I have to tell you, um, our, you know, our customer's goal, and I guess our goal would be to try to do all of that as much as you can on computer, so then you just make the parts, put them on the car, and everything works fine. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, physics is not yet modelable in its entirety, and I think we do a lot of road testing. So if you go to our Plymouth headquarters, we typically have at least six to ten cars that are probably out on the road where we're testing. And this car was no different. I mean, we had the Mustang out for quite a while uh, doing all the testing and everything for it.
2: So here's sort of a business case question for you. The the Mustang specifically, uh, we drove the the normal version with the handling pack and then I drove the carbon pack, which sort of used to be a track pack. That's a carbon pack. It has the aero and the exposed carbon fiber wing. Carbon fiber wheels. They're they're eliminating as much weight on that suspension as possible and they're saying uh, all things being equal on the same track same driver it's roughly a two second per lap uh, improvement with the carbon fiber wheels if they're going to do that and and see the benefit in that weight savings why not have a lighter weight like a carbon ceramic disc as an option on that thing as well what 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 does Ford tell you?
6: I don't know why they did go with a carbon, uh, you know, a system. But you know, I mean, a lot of times it's, it, it depends is it a money on what issue? their mar- Well, it depends what their marketing guys feel they want to keep the price point in. I mean, carbon is expensive. Uh, I would have added probably five to seven. You know, it depends on how they packaged it up. Uh, you know, well, their carbon cost. package
2: is eighteen thousand dollars. It's yep. the difference between and you know. Uh, an 80-something thousand dollar car and a hundred grand.
6: Well, you, you know, know, and that mean, grand is a hundred grand is a big number when it comes to these cars. And, you know, when it comes to even the Corvette uh, and the Mustang, I, I don't, th- I mean, they want to have options where you can be over a hundred, but that's not their model, right? It's not where they're trying to position that vehicle. Um, you know, I think all of them feel that you can get performance, you can get really nice performance in a vehicle that doesn't cost you a hundred thousand dollars. Once you go over the hundred thousand dollar mark, you also are bringing in a lot of competition, that you, you know, are right or wrong, you know. Do you want to pay a hundred? Well, you and I had this conversation before. We see cars here, yeah, that are all dressed up. We saw a Mustang last year. Was it maybe a Speed Core or something? Which was yeah, one hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Beautiful car, seven hundred horsepower. Had a, what was it? It was a, like a GT five five O with a blower in it yeah. and everything. Yeah, and they juiced it all up. But at the end of the day, when you go out and you lay out that check for one hundred forty thousand dollars, you say. It's it's a Mustang. I mean, it is. You know,
2: I, I get it. But let's say, look, I, our friends at Edmonds were running this scenario with us as well, and Edmonds is buying two cars. They're buying a C8 Corvette with the Z51 package and a GT500 with the handling package, but not the carbon package, because they wanted both cars to fall into that like eighty-five to eighty-eight thousand dollar range, and they wanted them to be sort of a uh, price point competitive so they can kind of put them up against each other. I don't know a lot of people are cross shopping those cars, but in the world of content, those are two f- fun cars you want to read about going head to head. So they didn't get the carbon package, but if they did and it was 100 grand and let's say carbon ceramic brakes would have been 5 or 6 grand, once you're at that price point, is there much of a difference between 100,000 and 105,000? I don't know that that's
6: I don't think so to uh, you be know. honest with you I, and I don't know i mean i I love carbon brakes you know because I think they're just you know there's a little bit different feel on them and there's a little bit extra bite uh but at the end of the day um you know i mean let's let's stop and step back a little bit all right you know Ford g t the sports car the mm-hmm. race car had iron brakes yeah okay not carbon fiber all right the fanciest version of the carbon you know the the the, the g t that you could buy had carbon so you know the different applications the guy who's going on track day maybe you know a couple of races a week you put him in carbon he's happy as a clam he gets pretty good performance you know but you take that carbon system out and you go ahead and track it in a normal race car you're going to go through it like crazy and it's going to cost you a fortune to replace it every week right yeah. so you know you got to balance what the what the capability of the system is you know
2: who's using carbon brakes in the racing world
6: Uh, I wish I had our race guy, Mike Messina, here, who could uh, tell you who exactly. I mean, it's been prohibited in some of the uh, races. IndyCar uses carbon. Okay. Um, Right now, I know IMSA, there's a number of series where carbon is allowed, but it's in most of the, I think, some of the prototype series and things like that. But not much Um, of the
2: sports car racing series. mm, Like, there's not a lot of sports cars. Is there Porsches? No, because a lot of them them are still. or Corvettes, are they running carbon? Yeah,
6: at times, yeah. Yeah. I think the a lot of the sports cars, you know, some of the rules there is right. It's got to be somewhat stock, so yeah. they limit you in in that. And again, you know, the racing guys uh, that are that are running these series have concerns about cost, right? They're trying to get yeah. teams in. The first thing you don't want to do is say, "Hey, let's go carbon," all right? Because that that's going to bring you to a whole a whole different dimension and as i said in a racing scenario you're going to be replacing those brakes all the time right you want to go with something fresh every single race that's costly when it comes to carbon
2: yeah in the in the consumer world in the sports car world getting uh you know ordering your your Porsche or your Acura NSX with steel brakes
6: versus carbon brakes Personally, in that kind of situation, I go carbon, all right? You you're are. already paying all this money for the car get the carbon. I will never replace my brakes ever, okay? Yeah. Maybe...
2: So when you say that, you mean you're never going to do the disc or, or the pads I won't last do the disc longer? or the
6: pads, all right? Because the pads and the discs are carbon. Uh, I, I doubt that I will, number one, probably put enough mileage on that car. But even if I did, I don't think... I think the brake job would be at 80,000, 90,000 miles or something like that on yeah. carbon. I mean, obviously... If I drove like you did, probably maybe at sixty. <laughs> yeah, um, but in reality, um, you know, is there a
2: rule of thumb? Do you get fifty percent better life out of a of a carbon package? Versus you know, you
6: theoretically, if I drove my Porsche reasonable, track day here and there, whatever. I, I don't think you ever change it. I'm not going to ever them. do.
2: Everybody in the room is nodding their head. No changing them. No That's changing. If you, but again,
6: but but again, if I go track day every week, yeah, okay, and or I'm I'm on that track a lot. I mean, you're you're going to go through it. But again, it's you know that pat. Those packages are made for you know great heat, you know really great heat absorption without fade. A lot of great stopping power. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't disintegrate um there is some dust that's involved in carbon but at the end of the day they're uh, they're almost a lifetime brake system
2: yeah so i can see it being i can see it being worth it especially if you're if you're getting like the brake
6: and again you've driven carbon the braking yeah. on it is impressive yeah i mean it now, is a impressive thing
2: in the early days like a full carbon fiber this. Now it's carbon
6: ceramic. It's Well, hybrid. yeah, we're talking carbon ceramic. So if you're talking carbon, carbon, yeah, that's those are that's racing. Okay? That's racing, and that raises the carbon some carbon other is- issues. It, squeaky and... Well, and not and, only that, you got to heat it
2: up. You've got to heat it up. Okay, That's when big you, everybody
6: thing. looks when they go on the track, you see these guys driving back and forth. You know, Even yeah. with iron, they're trying to heat up the brakes, heat up the pads, You know, heat up the tires, all this stuff. But carbon-carbon, you really have to get heat into that system before it starts to be effective. So,
2: a- every time we're mentioning carbon, by the way, we're, we're, ref- we're referencing carbon-ceramic. carbon-ceramic, which is the modern version of it. It's much more straightable. You don't need to get a lot of heat in them to work. They work right away. They last a long time. Correct. They're still lightweight. They're and
6: they're used in some racing applications all right but yeah. again you have to be a team with a lot of money if you're going to do that cuz you're going to be replacing them and it's you know it's not a rotor it's not an iron rotor it's a it's a carbon rotor it's expensive
2: is the price point of that going to come down or are we going to start to see that it's available on right I on I mean, if you would have more told cars
6: me, you can go to uh, like a corvette i think the last series of corvettes you could get a, a carbon package i think it was you know, somewhere between five and ten thousand dollars. You know, to get their carbon yeah. package. I mean, these packages were twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars ten years ago. So higher volume, um, we are seeing some. You know, some uh, benefit of that in the price. But people don't realize carbon ceramic rotor is a very long process to make those rotors. All right, yeah. it's a baking process. It's, uh, you know, you're baking and then putting fibers in baking and baking and, you know, so it's a, it's a longer process. It's not just you put the stuff in a mold, it cooks, comes out, you machine it, and you're done. It's going back through a number of different processes with uh, heat and pressure. Um, so there is a long timeline on that. So it's, it's expensive to make. So will it ever drop to 50 bucks a rotor like an iron rotor? No. No. Not going to happen. No. But do I see systems that are in the four dollars or $5,000 range? it's it's possible i think we'll will see i think we'll see that in the next 10 years we'll start to see systems like that
2: that's good i mean Real there's supply
6: to be honest yeah. with you and finding guys who can do it
2: like there was there was a time where we wouldn't see a, a ford focus rs with ricaro seats and we wouldn't see brembo brake kits on Trickling down to the more affordable sports cars and performance cars, and now we can. You guys are figuring out a way to make it happen. Also, the manufacturers are seeing the value in having those those performance items with the brands attached to them, putting well, putting Brembo I think, you know, brakes on them is is what we want. Right?
6: And, and I think you know, I, I don't think we're counted out, even in the not in the performance area. If you go to the electrics now, which is one of the questions I get a lot, is yeah. what happens with electrics. You know, we we think we're positioned in exactly where you want to be. All right, we're lightweight. And our calipers have low drag, all right? So, you know, you apply that brake, the uh, you know, pads come in, grab that rotor, but you want to let go. You want those pads to withdraw because if they don't, then you're going to get drag. And, you know, when you have a battery in your car, you want to get as much mileage. You don't want things hanging on to your, your car and braking. So, yeah. you know, lightweight and low drag, we think Brembo is, is smack dab, dab in the middle Uh, of where we need to be. And uh, it's really, really important. You know, we're on some electric cars that uh, they're getting extra mileage because they're using Brembo brakes.
2: So let's talk about uh, the future. Maybe, I don't know how many steps ahead of this. When we, does it make sense for us to see electric brake calipers? And then how do we make that possible? It'll happen,
6: all right? And the reason why is everything is becoming electrified in the vehicle. Um, We see right now that, you know, I would say probably in the next 10 years you will have full brake-by-wire systems. Now, whether you have redundancy, in other words, a a hydraulic system running underneath, you know, you probably will initially. Um, But we really feel that the brake system will go electric. It'll probably go first to sort of a hybrid system where you have electronic pedal, electronic sensors going to the actuation in the brakes' corners themselves. You may still have hydraulics closing the caliper, if you will, over. Um, So you have a a switch which is triggering a motor which is closing the caliper. Uh, But eventually the whole thing will go electronic, similar to our EPB. Yeah. Right? So our electronic parking brake right now, You were, everybody remembers, you used to have that crazy pedal on the left. Uh, yeah. Or you'd have the handle. Yeah. All right? With the cable and everything else, which is very manual. You now have most of the car. not most, but I'd say a majority of the cars now have electric parking brakes. Yeah, almost
2: brakes, everything new has an Which has is just brake. a button, right? Yeah.
6: There's no pedal, no cable. Throw the switch. Motor comes on. Tightens up the, you know, either yeah. a drum or a brake, you know, around the caliper, around a uh, rotor. Uh, And then when you want it off, you press the button, it withdraws. So So.
2: the first evolution of electric brakes we're already starting to see, and that's electronics on top of hydraulics, right? Like some of the cars we have now can hit the brake for you. I think I was just driving the Lincoln Corsair. and that's
6: external. It's not even over the top. It's kind of uh, in parallel, right? So you have a controller that will actually trigger that. And it's, you know, on a lot of these, it's actually... It's actually hitting, you know, the master cylinder and, and that's basically doing, yeah. sending the hydro- sending the hydraulic fluid yeah, so to where don't it goes.
2: Yeah, over. It's like an electric know, pedal, bike, or a kid or yep. something. Yeah, yeah. so but that's in place. When we get to an electric caliper, paint a picture for me. What does this sort of look like? Does the caliper really start to change shape? Does the caliper have like little round electric motors where the pistons would be? It, it has Does, a motor that's
6: attached. All right, is there so like one our EPB, motor, our EPB has a motor that's attached. Now, what'll be interesting is is how do you consolidate the size of that motor to leverage the pressure? All right, because mm-hmm. you don't want this big, humongous motor hanging off, you know, your caliper. So you want maybe it's multiple motors, uh, maybe it's some new some new type of motor, uh, maybe it isn't even a motor. Maybe yeah. it is. Something else that's that's forming this this the clamping pressure, if you will, so those are the things that we're working on right now to to see how we can incorporate that all into the system uh, and we have I mean we do have a brake by wire system uh, that we're now working with several customers on seeing what the feasibility is that for new vehicles so and the, you know it has advantages it's faster electrics are faster. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it can integrate well with the emergency systems in the car emergency braking. It also can be adjustable. So, you know, you talked about like the Mustang yeah. where you switch to sport mode or track mode or whatever and you change the, you know, the steering of the car, you change the suspension of the car. How about changing the braking of the car? Yeah. And then have a separate sub sub menu where you can talk about pedal you know, pedal travel. Do you want it to be really touchy so you you can almost move your foot off the gas and just touch the brake and it locks right in and gives yeah. you braking, or do you want longer pedal feel so you can ride the brakes and and maybe you're a drifter or doing whatever you're, you're doing? Right. We can
2: dial that in now with steering with electric steering. Yeah. Which, by the way, took a few years for people to start to get it right, but I can imagine being able to for you guys to be able to control the pistons independently. You, you said that you're. Sizing up the pistons of a, let's say, a six-piston caliper differently or locating them differently in Mm -hmm. the caliper so it gets even pressure. But what if you're able to control them individually, like fingers, and then maybe now you can start to apply, you know, one-piston pressure, and then it goes to two or four or... You know, or how your, about
6: this? You have sensors that detects wear, and if you see that it's wearing strange because of the, the wear on the pad, you can adjust how the pads yeah. approaching the you know the, the rotor. I mean, I think you know it, it opens up a, a wide panorama. And again, this is again technology that we've used in F one, for example, yeah. where you have temperamental drivers who want more pedal travel, less pedal travel. Maybe they're short, maybe they're tall. You know, they have different way that they approach the brake pedal, and we've you know in the past we've adjusted. The braking system. We have electronics now that do that, so they can say softer, larger, you know, smaller, tighter, you know, and then do all that. So yeah. it really opens up a just more dynamics of the car to the driver. It's going to be excellent. And now it's getting me excited. You guys got to hurry up <laughs>
2: <laughs> from from your mouth to our customers' ears. Yeah, uh, getting on. All right. So back to reality. Before we wrap things up, tell us about the uh, the online store that you guys got going on now, because now we can get uh, Brembo parts for. Any car out there, pretty much, regardless if it came with Brembo brakes Yeah, or not. so,
6: I mean, you know, and this, is again, just really serves our customers who just want replacement rotors and pads for their vehicle. Mm-hmm. We're not talking big Brembo kits or anything. We're talking just your day-to-day guy who needs a brake job. Uh, it's really, really easy now. You go to buybrembo, B-U-Y, Brembo, dot com. It sends you to the Brembo store. You put your car in there. It'll tell you exactly what parts you need. Uh, and you could either buy it right there on the spot. Uh, and of course it'll be authentic Brembo uh, rotors and pads uh, or uh, you'll at least have the part number and everything else go shop on the internet and uh, you know some of several of our customers uh, several of our customers, they' you know different stores and things on the web carry Brembo and uh, it's really, really easy. you know we set the store up to number one, make it just easy for people if they really want it, they know what they want. Go get it. Here's your, your part numbers. Go buy it. Um, there's always uh, discounts that we have uh, that are out there uh, on, our, on our website. But, in fact, you know, one of the complaints we got from some of our customers is that some of the people who sell our products, they weren't quite sure about part numbers and what they needed exactly. Yeah. Uh, this this re- website becomes the reference. So they can easily see what they're getting, what they need. What are the? What's the rear? What's the front? What pads go with it? And they could buy it there, as I said, or, or go on uh, other site and get it. And uh, we're much more accessible right now and easy to get.
2: Yeah, so, you know, um, uh, getting the good quality uh, parts is 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 certainly important. Um, and uh, true story, a friend of mine, she has an uh, Infiniti G thirty five. The brakes were done. I don't know twenty or thousand miles ago not that long ago in the world of brakes for just a sedan and on the front brakes she said they're squeaking and i noticed that the metal backing plate on the pad is is sliding off it's sliding off and it's somehow coming apart and i said well let's let's go get brake pads and and rotors and just get the authentic brembo stuff uh, you said buy brembo but uh, we were using BremboPartsUSA.com uh, we well
6: actually there was uh, BremboStoreUSA.com Brembo 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 which Store we Brembo like com. it it was it was actually what the website was called and if yeah. you go to BremboStoreUSA.com you'll go to the same place yeah. uh, but you know what I'm kind of a simple guy and I yeah. think it was because I was doing a lot of interviews and I couldn't remember what that was so <laughs> <Because> I said <laughs> we're going to make it easy for you Okay. buy Brembo.com Brembo Brembo that's simple the we went to the website that. we got the good stuff but I think the the it's important what you said is is you know we're OE specification so we make a lot of these rotors to begin with, yeah. um, but even if we didn't make them, we go out, find out what the specs are for those rotors and their oh, original equipment specifications for both the pads and the rotors. You're getting good stuff. It's, it's, it's going to last. And you know what? One of the things that people don't realize is, you know, you go to a garage and you tell them what you want. If they don't have Brembo tell them to go to buybrembo.com they can order it up deliver it right to your uh, garage mechanic or whatever and they'll make the change. Listen, when, it, when it comes to brakes
2: you got to get you got to get stuff that you know is going to work and like i said these these brakes were not that old and they're falling apart. I've never even seen that before. The pad is still on there. It's no big deal. If your brakes don't work,
6: you don't stop. It's not a problem. Well, it's
2: just the one tire, so if you hit the brakes hard, (laughs) it'll dart right, I think. uh, That's uh, why you have four corners. Yeah, that's why there's four corners. There's some redundancy involved. No, seriously, Um,
6: though, from a safety standpoint, I mean, I don't know what else you would want to buy and make sure it works, right? Yeah. I mean, unless you drove like my grandfather. He never drove over 30 miles an hour. So I'm not sure he really needed Brembo at the end of the day.
2: Well, I don't know. If you put the carbon ceramics on, I don't think it'll last 100 years. Uh, I don't know.
6: <laughs> I'm not sure he ever did a brake job. He had a Dodge Dart. I just yeah. remember that when I was really, really young, the old Dodge Dart. And I don't think he that car was washed all the time, and I don't think he ever went over 30 miles an hour. He'd come pick us up, take us to the drugstore to get candy or whatever, and... Uh, Honest to God, I don't think he ever – I think one time he had to drive. It was really raining really hard, and he had to get us home quick. I think he went, like, 32, and, I, I mean, he was getting buzzed. I could see it over there. He was, like, so <laughs> excited he got it over 30. They're but, over 30.
2: Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. That car probably feels like 75. So, uh,
6: yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was
2: different. All right. Well, thank you so much. The guys, <laughs> the, uh, the website's buybrembo.com. And uh, go on to iTunes and subscribe to Brembo Red, Dan's, uh, Dan's podcast.
6: Appreciate it. Maybe we'll have you on Brembo Red soon. Yeah, we should do it. I'd love to. I'd Be very efficient. <laughs> yeah. I'll just give you my microphone. You take yours. And we'll yeah. Go.
2: I'll just, I'll record the whole interview and, and mail we'll it to Chris you. we'll have Chris cut it up. Yeah. There you go. Uh, thanks, Dan. Okay. Now we're talking to a Bill Tishner in the Holly booth. Hey, Bill. How are you?
7: What's up, Matt? Am I a Bill Tishner?
2: Are you? Or others. Oh, is others? That's a, how you said it, I think. We're talking to a Bill Tishner? Yeah.
7: We're there's talking only, to the Bill Tishner. On, there's only We're one Talking one,
2: man. to man. I don't know. Is your
7: dad named Bill Tishner? My dad is Tichner? actually Bill Tishner. <laughs> there <laughs> so you go. I was, so. I was just telling somebody about my dad. Uh, this lady was started talking about horses, and I said my dad was a thoroughbred jockey and rode 7,000 horse races. Oh my gosh. Yep. That's a so, lot. I guess racing's in my blood. I just moved I over to cars.
2: So. Oh, Bill, man, we've known each other maybe almost a decade now. How yep. Probably longer it's, than that. It's, uh, it's, it's been a minute for sure. And Holly has uh, grown massively. Uh, yeah. uh, we've talked about it in the past uh, couple of years how uh, uh, Holly's just sort of stepped up and, and, and acquired a bunch of companies, sort of put them all under one roof. There's been a lot of integration of, of these different brands and companies yep. over the years. Uh, of course, MSD and, and yeah. uh, uh, so many brands, but recently Flowmaster, I
7: believe, yeah. as well. Flowmaster, so. Hearst, B&M Shifters, and then even APR. Yeah, and dining on the uh, Euro. Oh yeah, side. the BMW stuff, dining BMW, Audis and Volkswagens and really high quality is that, stuff. Is that weird for you to get it's it into the German? It's weird, I mean, judging by your accent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you don't see as many of those around <laughs> Bowling Green, but I love them. You know, I mean, yeah. they're they're super awesome cars. My kids love them. My kids keep me young and tell me what's cool, you know? Yeah. And uh, they're like, hey, dad, go buy a dinin'. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they tell me what cars are cool. Yeah, what cars uh, are cool. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all right. So they had me on the search for Supras out here at the show.
2: Oh, yeah. This is, there's going to be no shortage of Supras. We were t- anticipating yeah, Supras and uh, Jeep Renegades pretty much yeah, everywhere, there's right?
7: There's a lot
2: of them here. Um, so uh, obviously, I'm a, I'm a big Ford guy, and we spoke last year. Uh, And we talked about all of the LS stuff that you guys have done, various LS manifolds, just any configuration you could possibly want, you guys have, and all of the EFI systems, the Holly EFI systems that are available for that. But this past year, you've really stepped up your game in the Ford world, even doing the first Ford Fest.
7: Yep. So so LS Fest was part of how we kicked off our foray into telling telling consumers that we're making ls parts and getting serious about it and so when it was time to get into more you know we've got lots of ford parts through the yeah. 31 brands but you know we wanted to do more and be you know have more relevant newer stuff and when it was time to tell the consumers that hey we we haven't forgot about you ford guys yeah and we love you too we said hey that ls fest thing worked okay and um let's do a unique event for the ford market And um, how long has LS Fest been going on? 10 years.
2: And that's grown. That's massive, right? Like, this is a really big event for you guys. We literally
7: shut the streets of Bowling Green down this year, like gridlock. Yeah. It was uh, was crazy, actually. (laughs) So, but people love it. And what's happened is everybody that comes, they leave and go tell their friends, you got to come back next year with me. Yeah. And they all came back. (laughs) And now it was so big. That We're into the numbers now when they they go tell their friends that thousands more come back. What kind of attendance are you getting at LS Fest? Um, So this year, Bowling Green had 35,000. And how did Ford Fest do for you? Being your first Um, year out, it seemed... No, it was big. It it seemed big. Yeah, it was really good. And we we partnered with the uh, NMRA during their World Ford Finals. So it's already a huge drag race. And then we brought in drifting and autocrossing and a dyno and an Australian-style burnout contest and just a yeah, lot of chaos yeah. and um, and everybody just had a great time. It was just the the mood in the air was electric and everybody appreciated Holly for throwing this party, which is what we wanted to do. Yeah, right. And we were hoping that they would appreciate us and not see us as crashing their NMRA race and the exact opposite happened man they were all just thank you for bringing this to another level and i can't believe you got the number one bigfoot truck here like we we had (laughs) the first bigfoot ever yeah it was it's still running and we paraded it actually me and my kids were riding in the back of bigfoot across the oval track at beach bend while von gittin jr and chelsea denofa drifted around us (laughs) <laughs> I picture bigfoot yeah. cruising across the this old truck from the 70s with a current mustang smoking just doing donuts oh around man, it it was dr- and i was in the back of it i hero to your kids for oh yeah one. i said the best day ever and yeah. then i then i thought about it i was like well except for when you were born <laughs> and when you were born and when i married your mom yeah. but other than that, other than that this yeah, is the best yeah. day ever yeah, yeah. And pretty much you had to say those yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. all right but so was, you
2: got some new ford parts tell us about what's new for you so
7: um our EFI side, uh, Holly EFI has been just doing amazing over the last decade. We yeah. We've uh, revamped our ECU. Always been in the fuel injection business for the aftermarket for a long time, but about 10 years ago we made it super intuitive that software is easy to understand and find your way around, and then the, the computer is so fast, and the feedback, the loop that it gets from all the sensors, it adjusts so fast that it can self-learn. Yeah. So literally... You just start driving and this thing starts learning and you don't have to build a fuel map and, you know, program a number into each cell and all that. It just does it for you. It's been a great product. So we now, we're, we're trying to, you know, the goal is to make it easy for a guy to get a kit, the wiring harness he needs, the computer he needs and bolt it onto his car. And so just a few couple months ago, we came out with a Ford specific kit okay. for the um, for the early uh, 302, like all the, know. and the Fox Body yeah, Mustangs perfect for stuff. the Fox Body. We've yeah. even got, we've got a kit with an extended harness so the computer can fit under the seat of your Fox Body. it's all ready to, ready for you to go. I saw that. It looked like. And, you, it, and it's a great have,
2: price. And you have the brackets and stuff for you. You pop out the driver's seat. The ECU has brackets up yep. both into the seat holes, basically. And you bolt your seat back in, and it mounts an ECU underneath there. Yep. Now, from there, do you replace the entire engine harness and mass air in the Fox body, or does the computer plug into the existing stuff? Like how how far do you have to go into the engine uh, and the harness? I mean, it's, it's a
7: standalone it. unit. yeah unit. Okay, so, so you would you would do just, the engine harness? Yeah, you just do the engine harness, and the rest of your car just runs off the original harness. Yeah. Know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's fantastic, and then I and, saw the, and the
7: price is about a thousand bucks, so yeah, you know, for a Terminator X kit is what we call it um, and so the the value for a computer that you can that you can tune your race car with with a laptop, yeah, change a cam, tune it again with the, right there with the Holly you don't have to send your computer out, get it flashed, send it back, hope you got a good tune, you know over and over every time you make a modification to your engine, the Holly just adapts to it. Yeah.
2: Um, I saw some new intake manifolds as yep. well. And it you looks gotta. like you even have just the old school 5-liter Mustang. Yep. Well, that was one of the – our high-ram
7: uh, was super popular um, with changeable tops. And yeah. and so we did one for the eight 2 deck Ford, and uh, it's been popular already. And you can change the tops. And we have a side-mount uh, throttle body uh, top. And, we're, and, of course, you can use the traditional front-mount high-ram. Um, put two carburetors on it if you want or whatever. So, uh, and we even have like a universal blank top for whatever you got in your head that you want to do.
2: Right, and the idea of of having the top be able to come off, you could get creative if you wanted to build some sort of like intercooler system. Yep. Like, a, that happens a, a lot with you know, the high ram. Uh, why yep. not be able to, to go in there and do that? Do yep. something that's sort of low profile. The complication with doing a sort of the the tunnel ram front throttle body. On these uh, on the Ford motors was the distributor being in the in yeah. in the way, yeah. um, and I I saw <laughs> I believe at 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 Ford Fest that you guys uh, have a maybe a a, a coil on plug conversion, mm-hmm. and when you do that,
7: you can do a flat top on the distributor, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, it's a lower profile distributor, um, so the top of the high ram clears it. Um, so there's a coil on plug conversion for the Fords. Is that what you guys have? So our, our I'm not sure on the Fords. We have yeah. a distributor, a low profile distributor. Yeah. That uh, um, uh, gets it down underneath the top of the high ram uh, okay. manifold. So it gives you the the clearance that you need without your plug wires running up into the Right. And so if you're crashing. building
2: something custom as well, some uh, turbo motor or something like right. that. Right. You can have that front facing throttle body and right. and honestly you you other than noticing the distributors in the front instead of the back, it very much looks like the LS manifolds that you yeah, guys have. you go open the hood, and you would think...
7: Yeah, it looks like think, the traditional high-ram that people come... I mean, we did it for the LS first, so people associate it with the LS, yeah. but, I mean, it is just, it's just a manifold to us. So, um, but, yeah, I, I see what you're saying.
2: So... What else is new for you guys that you're working on? Because there's so many different brands and so many different companies. I, there's got to be thousands and thousands uh, of products well, in the catalog now.
7: Literally, like we have three to five new parts every day. And anybody can go to holly.com and look at the homepage. If you scroll down, there's a waterfall of new products that okay. changes every day. Whatever new parts we bring out, they're there constantly scrolling and uh, adding to them every, every day. Um so that's the place to go. And you can see, you can get to all 31 brands from Holly.com. Okay. Just go, just hit the brand 30 button. 31 brands. Yep. Man. That's like, like, like Baskin Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> it's 31 flavors and yep. 31 brands. 31 brands. I have not thought of that until just now. That's pretty funny. <laughs> you guys are
2: working on the marketing plan for this forever. <laughs> strawberry, hey, MSD, plug wires. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> other thing that I noticed in the, in the Holly catalog, if, uh, if you guys haven't gone through the website in a while, is... Is almost everything that you guys offer, especially all the cast pieces, the manifolds and everything, and now even the electronics, there's different colors and different versions of everything. You want powder-coated black stuff. You want, you know, the natural silver. You can get pretty much, uh, you know, you can get a different couple different looks if you
7: want, you know, kind yeah. of match I mean, you know, we, we, your theme. Yep. So a lot of black, a lot of standard cast aluminum, you know, silver color, polished and different yeah. depending on the product, you know. Got a lot of new valve covers that we do in Chevy orange or red or, you know, a lot of variety of colors there. Um, our our uh, sniper, we got, a, we got a stealth sniper, okay. which is your throttle body that replaces your carburetor. And so we came out with one that's here at the show that uh, looks like a Holly, 4150 carburetor. So it's got the two bowls out on the ends and, a, you know, the main body, and it looks just like a standard Holly. And but we got a computer built onto the side of it, so it's an easy to mount. You don't have to have a separate ECU mounted somewhere else in the car; okay. it's just right there on the all throttle one body. Unit. Yep. So I'm actually really excited about that. I've been waiting on that one for a little while because I'm so gonna the put it on my car. So
2: linkage transmission kicked down. Yep, they just all like a much carburetor. Work up yep. the same. Yep. And then you just gotta run what the power, power ignition and the ground. ground. Yeah, you'll and have. Then you
7: gotta upgrade a fuel pump. You have right? to have a fuel pump. You have to have a high pressure pump. And it's always best if you can put it in the tank. It yeah. keeps the fuel keeps the pump cooler. Um, and we got we got solutions for that. We have a, a lot of tanks that come with pumps, but if we don't have one for your particular car, we have a universal drop-in, and you just cut a hole in your existing tank, and then it swe- it just drops in the hole, and it has these. I'll kind of explain it like a wing out, kind of wings out underneath your the hole you cut, and then it just sandwiches. You just start tightening down the the bolt, and it sandwiches it down with a big thick gasket onto the top of your fuel tank. So now you have a pump in your tank. And, so you uh, can, do you, you do can you adjust somehow adjust the height, adjust the height yeah. so you yep. can, however deep the yep. tank is? It goes is. from, I think it's like 5 to 12 inches as the yeah, yeah. room. Okay. That, you know, that's the dimensions. It'll go the shortest to the tallest. And you want the pump, you want the pickup laying on the bottom of your tank. So basically, you want it to barely touch the bottom of your tank, so, so you it's picking up fuel. you pull that tank
2: down or even just buy an aftermarket version of your tank. Yeah. And then you can, you can cut the hole. You can measure how far yep. you need to go yep. in. And you just you measure. can, of course, yep. clean it, blow it all out, and then yep. reinstall it, and you're good to yeah, go. you
7: never want shavings in your fuel tank. No.
2: <laughs> Definitely got to clean it all out. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess you could drill the hole upside down. That might help a little It'll bit. Help but a little. <laughs> I still,
7: I'd still rinse it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah,
2: don't want it in there. But uh, I guess that's why you got multiple filters on that thing, just yeah. in yeah. case you don't yeah. get it all. Well, uh, the uh, the booth here looks great. The cars look great. Uh, I see you got our Thank friends, uh, the Ring Brothers. You got one yeah, of their rides in here. Yeah, we got we
7: got, uh, we got their Mustang that they, they debuted yesterday, and it's got a Holly. They typically use Holly EFI on everything. Yeah. And our Flowmaster exhaust, um, but for this car, the owner wanted a carburetor, so it ended up with a Holly carburetor, and it is—it's a, a killer Mustang. Yeah, it's he wanted a, to save a few bucks. I don't know what he <laughs> what to do. I think it, it's, it's just one of huge, that style, huge you know?
2: Check over yeah, to uh, yeah. over the Rig brothers. Go, hey, hey, hey! Don't go crazy. I'm at the, on the, I'm motor. At the end of my budget, so yeah, I'm going yeah. to go We're with the really carburetor. Really tapped out here. Just go with the yeah. carburetor. On no, that I think
7: thing. it's just a styling thing. You know, he wanted it to be old school. The car yeah. looks like an old school. Transam style. Well, build. maybe he didn't know about your sniper. Oh, I'm sure they told him all about it. <laughs> <laughs> They'd say, "Hey, it looks exactly the same." Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, actually, probably didn't have that when he was when he yeah, picked that carburetor. Right? You, you can know, sell cars, them on by the end of the day. I would just get him converted before he leaves the booth. When
2: actually on that sniper kit, do you do you run? You also run an O2 sensor down there. You yeah, just, it
7: comes with an O2 sensor. You put a and we have put a we, bung in the. Yep, you can weld in a bung, or the kit comes with a clamp on. Yeah. So you drill one hole in your exhaust and it's we got we these cool little plates basically that hug the exhaust pipe. Yeah. And we have stainless clamps that and a and a gasket that seals it all up and you don't have to take your pipe out, and weld it, you just get a drill and put it on. Easy enough. Can't be. I've even done it, I'm a marketing guy. <laughs> I installed one on my brother in law's car and the, the thing just oh. ran. I, follow, I followed the Holly instructional video on our YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, this is how we do it. Yeah, yeah. So um, well, I literally didn't read the instructions. I, was, I wanted to see how good our video was. And we would pause the video and work on that part of the car, get to get it done, and hit play, and then go watch the next part Yeah, and do that part. And we, we probably watched it three times, but you know, yeah. all total. But we were able to put it on, and, and I'm a knucklehead marketing guy. I'm not a mechanic <laughs> at all. And uh, my brother-in-law is not either, and so he's a woodworker. <laughs> yeah. And but the two of us managed to to do it. and It fired up just like it, we said it would, and literally it was running almost as smooth the first mile as it does now. It was like it learns that fast and self corrects. Right. Uh, it, it just, just self corrects. Yeah. yeah. And it reads it, the O two and does its thing.
2: It it self tunes even if you you know you've got a cam or a little yeah. better heads. Yeah, pretty much anything on there. Does yep. does it, it self tune with boost? If you had a supercharger or something on it, or you got to do a little, you know, there's probably a map sensor, and then up to a certain yeah. You well, know, we have boost, one we have boost
7: ready kits that come and a little more. That, of course, uh, an engine with boost is a little more radical, obviously. Yeah, but it's pretty. Probably get it it's probably it running then you can take it to your tuner yeah, and fine tune right. it. Most people can do it themselves, and it does yeah. a great job of kind of helping you tune itself. So. Um, it's the, we're actually that's a really popular unit too. Yeah. And now we even have two by four snipers. We've told people since the get go we were going to have them, I and mean, it took us a couple of years, but now we have, you know, a front you can have two throttle bodies for that old school look, and mount them front to back, and it's really it has one computer and the other one's just a air valve basically, and we finally got that on the shelf, so we're excited about that.
2: Yeah, it's a good look. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, Bill, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get back to it. and
7: I appreciate the time. Cool, and I uh, appreciate you
2: having me. Check out Holly.com. Yep, nice to be. Well,
1: that's the SEMA show. Hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, the sound curl for Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel.